so good day brethren you know it's a pleasure being here once again and today all scriptures will be read from the king james version bible and i'll be speaking on with all of god's perks make sure you are rich in good works. so i'll start brethren there's a general tendency in Christian circles to play down the importance of the maintenance of good works in the life of the New Testament's believer. This fear of highlighting good works at the expense of grace can be traced to an erroneous reasoning that by so doing, the excellency of the grace of God will be minimized. However, this fear is certainly unfounded. For anyone who truly understands the dynamics of the grace of God would place, open quotation, good works, close, co co uh, close quotation, in their proper perspective, and would view them as manifested fruits of a changed life. So one can read Matthew chapter 3, verse 8 as confirmation. The appropriate highlighting of good works in the life of a Christian, therefore, makes for strong Christian character rather than the jellyfish mentality that is usually associated with Christian Christianity today. Moreover, because the proof of our being Christians can only be demonstrated by our good works, even to those who would not otherwise listen to us, the importance of this type of Christian witness can never be overemphasized. My conclusion, brethren, attracts divine support from Jesus' teaching when he described his disciples as the light of the world. So one can read Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 as confirmation and the salt of the earth. Matthew chapter five, verse 13. And because good works impact the kingdom of God positively, God ensured that adequate commendations and warnings were placed in the New Testament accordingly. Brethren, the following quote highlights the importance of good works in the life of the believer. So one can read Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, which states, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, in layman's language, Jesus said, Let your Christian character with its attendant good works be vividly demonstrated before men so that they may behold your good deeds and as a consequence, praise your Father, which is in heaven. Now, if God anticipates praises from humanity as a consequence of our good works, how dare anyone play on the thing by which God is glorified? Brethren, so important to Jesus was his own good works that he once appealed to his detractors to believe on him because of sin. So that's John chapter 14, verse 11. Moreover, the fact that God expects the believer to manifest good works in this life can be gleaned 
from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in which he wrote, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, meaning to do good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. From this Ephesians text, therefore, we know that if a Christian does not do good works, he or she is not fulfilling his or her God-ordained duties, which he or she was created to perform. This means that the greater one's blessings are, the greater one's responsibility becomes to do good works. Luke chapter 12 verse 48. Today, however, there is a needless polarization of the church of Jesus Christ between the pro-prosperity and the no-prosperity clans. But this should not be. For those who are financially less fortunate should not be envious of those who are financially better off. Alternatively, those who are now economically well off need not glory in their uncertain riches, but should rather seek ways and means of assisting their less fortunate brethren. This admonition is as relevant today as it was in the days of the Apostle Paul, who also wrote the following. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So that's First Timothy chapter 6 from verses 17 to 19. Not only in his epistle to Timothy was the importance of good works highlighted, for in, in, for in his apostolic classic on giving, recorded in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, one can see that giving is equated with the giving of many thanksgivings to God. So that's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12, and makes for the increase of one's righteousness, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Brethren, because of the opportunities for doing good that riches afford, and the fact that by that ministration one gives many thanksgivings to God and increases the fruits of one's righteousness, Prosperity in the body of Christ should never have been a cause for rivalry. Instead, it should be a God-sent source of blessing to the whole of Christianity and also to needy humanity. End time saints, if the guidelines and admonitions recorded in the above scriptures shared today are faithfully adhered to, all the bitterness and hatred that have plagued the body of Christ will inevitably dissipate, and the loving cohesion that is so integral to an effective world's weakness will be manifested. In addition, the attendant victories that will result shall rebound to the glory of God and to the overall good of the entire body of Christ and also to suffering lost humanity. Brethren, we must early realize that being envious of those among us who are blessed with earthly goods would not help us to change our economic fortunes. Instead, it will always impact negatively on our spiritual well-being and our economic viability. On the other hand, those who are economically well-off 
must never forget that God expects them to be rich in good works and be always ready to share their wealth with others, even with those who are at war with them. In so doing, they would be laying up for themselves a good foundation against those economically treacherous times that are ahead of us. On this question of the laying up of a good foundation against the evil day, one can easily see that Job never used his great wealth for selfish aggrandizement. Instead, he lavished the same on all those who had needs around him. This fact can be gleaned by reading Job chapter 31, verses 1 to 40. Moreover, this said spirit of liberality that was dominant in the life of Job was also manifested in the life of King David. And the high point of this liberality in the life of the psalmist was clearly ventilated when, against the clamor of those who went with him to retrieve his wives and brethren, who were taken captive by the Amalekites, he made a decree that those who went to war, as well as those who remained with their stuff, must share equally of the spoils which they had taken. So one can read 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 21 to 25. Neither can one fail to make mention of Joseph in this regard. For although he only escaped death at the hands of his brothers through the providence of God, he later joyfully lavished the blessings of God upon them and went even beyond that point to calm their disturbed consciences by letting them know that their wicked deeds were allowed by God so that their lives could have been saved at a later stage. So that's Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 to 11, Genesis chapter 46, verses 31 to 34, and Genesis chapter 47, verses 1 to 6. So one can read on their own time those scripture verses as confirmation. So as I come to a close, brethren, on the other side of the liberality spectrum, we see King Solomon the richest king of Israel, using his great riches to fan the flames of his lustful desires, instead of using them to assist the poor and needy. Brethren, his abundant riches and his unsatiable lust for women were surely responsible for his spiritual downfall. So 1 Kings chapter 11 verses 1 to 11. If only he had walked in the principles outlined in Job chapter 31 from verses 1 to 40, his biography would have had a different ending. Brethren, from the facts set forth today in this segment, we can have a balanced view of this prosperity issue. Accordingly, we know that if one's riches are used for the advancement of the kingdom of God and for the good of humanity in general, Prosperity must be a blessing. If, on the other hand, riches are used only for personal gratification, that individual shall end like the rich fool who, though he was materially wealthy, was not rich towards God and as a consequence lost his soul along with his gold. So that can be read in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. So as I close, brethren, therefore, to you, 
my well-to-do brethren, you who are beneficiaries of all of God's perks, please take steps to ensure that like Job, Joseph, or David, you are rich in good works. In addition, my dear materially well-off brethren, I warn you that you must never despise the poor, for God has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, to be heirs of the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him. So read James chapter 2 verse 5. What I just did was paraphrase it. So that's the end of my segment today, brethren. I will be live next week again. Remember to prepare yourselves for Jesus Christ's return because he will be returning soon. So brethren, Jesus Christ loves you. I love you. Have a safe and productive week. Spend time in doing daily devotions. For those who have family, spend time in doing daily devotions with your family in the morning and in the evening. So bye for now, brethren.